Hi, my name is Aisha McGowan, and this is Quick Brown Foxes, a podcast that seeks to answer the question of how to get more women of color into cycling by asking women of color how they got into cycling. Today, we'll be speaking with Annalise Cleopatra, who entered the bike world as a part of a film project and hasn't stopped pedaling since. Hi, I'm Annalise Cleopatra. I'm born and raised in Miami, Florida. I use she, her pronouns, and I'm the visual brand manager for Velocio Apparel. Where are you from? I'm from Miami. My family is West Indian, um, Trinidadian, and Jamaican. I always have to put that disclaimer because, like, people who actually, you know, if I, you know, it's like that, like, first generation straddle. Ah, we can we can dive into that because not everybody knows about that first generation straddle. Um, Before we get there, uh, how did you get into bikes? I was invited to be a part of a bike film, and that was the first time I'd ridden a bike really until uh, since my bike was stolen on Christmas when I was a child. A child like eight, a child like five. I was I was like eight. I was like eight. We went to the park in front of my house and and these guys were doing backflips off the monkey bars. And I was like, oh my God, cool. And then they whoop, they had their like... Oh no, it's a distraction. <laughs> <laughs> that is so messed up. It worked. I was like, oh, they're putting on a show. Like it was... Wait, how old were they that they stole a like eight-year-old's bike? They were, they were high school. That's going to be too small. I mean, you are very tall. The bike was big for me. Okay. I was like, oh, eight. Like, who can ride that? But, like, how tall are you? (laughs) Right now, I'm 5'11". For reference. So, like, maybe, like, eight-year-old you was also very tall. (laughs) So it could fit a high schooler. Okay. Fair. She's going to grow into it. All right. Well, then let's go back even further. How did you learn how to ride a bike? My uncle Vincent, um, my dad got me like, you know, the little baby bike with the, with the tassels and the pink and whatnot. And I remember my uncle who I also took my first steps toward, he will be very quick to tell you. He just like (laughs) took me on the neighborhood riding the bike. I vividly remember like the speed bumps, like being like, wow, (laughs) we went all the way to the entrance of the complex and back. How old were you then? Young, like I had to be like five. Okay, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. I think I had one of those bikes for sure. <laughs> cool. Did you have training wheels? There were training wheels. There were training wheels. I don't and- remember when they got taken off. I feel like they didn't even take them off. They just flipped them up or something. Like, yeah, I yeah, yeah I, I've seen people just in case. I've seen people do that. But then I feel like it makes like balance even harder because it's like to the one side or the other side. Yeah. And it doesn't actually hold you up. It just mm-hmm. like makes you lopsided, which I'm sure there's some like science and technique behind that, but I've never <laughs> understood that. Like it never made sense to me. Okay, cool. All right. So then I'm assuming you had that bike or similar bike for a while. And then how did you get your eight-year-old bike that was big enough that high schoolers wanted to steal it? That was that was a Christmas gift because um, my stepdad had taken apart my childhood bike 
And even though it was way too small for me at the time, I felt very violated. And <laughs> and yeah, he took it apart for he took it apart for parts for my brother. And so younger brother, uh, older brother, that brother. So like we're like kind of exactly at the same age. Okay, all right. Um, and so then they got me like a, a my own bike. Okay, cool. Yeah. And then you just. Rode that around the neighborhood. Yeah, but yeah. tragedy tragedy occurred, and then I didn't. Actually, after that, the bikes that I rode were we have a velodrome here in Florida, and so when my brother would go train, I could use the we would rent those. So they were like track bikes, but not clip. They had cages, toe cages. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was my next level, my post theft bike. Got you. And you said your brother was training. What was he training for? Uh, track cycling. Is he still doing that? He actually just retired like two days ago. Wow. What? <laughs> okay. Wow. Okay. So I'm going to assume he was doing it for like, what, like 15, 20 years? Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah. All right. Cool. Wow. I'm sorry. <laughs> that like threw me off. I'm like, retirement. Two Thank days ago. You. All right. Um... I had a thought for you. Okay, so he got into track cycling and was like training to be an athlete. Mm -hmm. Did that ever appeal to you? Were you ever like, I should do this too? Or did you ever actually do it? Or what did that look like? Um, I went with them to the velodrome, but it was like, my step, me and my stepdad had like kind of a weird relationship at that point because it's like, it's like, oh, I'm like a guardian, but I have no authority over you and therefore like also won't push you, but can sometimes scold you. Like, I don't know. It was the dynamic wasn't I wasn't quite interested in that at that point. I did enjoy going um, to the velodrome with them, but not to the point. Not every day. Not to be yelled at. Like, did you train today? Like, <laughs> so it was the discipline part of it that was not super appealing. Yeah, yeah. That That's one. fair. I mean, I don't think I would have thrived on that as a child either. Um, yeah. Mind you, I still don't have that. Like, I don't think I've ever been in a place where that was an effective method of getting me to do literally anything. Right. Um, I've played sports my whole life, but I don't, like, I know, like, coaches have yelled at like in a team dynamic didn't thrive on that um, <laughs> like any individual stuff that I've done and in cycling stuff I've never been one of those like yell at me and I'm gonna do better like yell at me and I'm gonna like cry please <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> don't yell at me I will push myself very hard and you can encourage me but you ain't gotta yell okay okay I can yeah. see that I um one time I brought I brought my jump rope to the track because okay. I was like oh I can like you know, you, there's only so much you can do. Like I'm not an endurance athlete. So I would like go around the circle and then like want to pause. And I was like, Oh, I can jump rope. And then I got, he scolded me. He was like, you come to ride or you come to jump. And I was like, Oh, okay. I guess I'm not allowed to do this here. And so then <laughs> I just dipped. Okay. Okay. Fine. That didn't, that wasn't the right time or place. So <laughs> <laughs> I assume you were on and off at the velodrome in support of your brother, but you mm -hmm. never quite took to it yourself. So then what did your bike journey look like post? Post that? 
I mean, yeah. I did get to film him race a few times, which was really cool. Um, but since then, like, he moved away, and then I went to school, college, Florida, Portland. When I ended up in Portland, um, I think I went, I was supposed to go on a ride once with a friend, and his bike was flat, and we turned around right away. And then nothing until Ali reached out about... Um, uh, the grant that they had, the Oregon Oregon Outdoor Adventure Film Grant, um, which I had heard of, but I, I, I remember being like, but what is an adventure sport? What do they mean? Like, I didn't, that category wasn't um, in my language. And okay, I'm going to pause you. Okay. Because now I feel like we're getting into the next phase, but I don't know how we got there, right? Because we knew you were going to the track and you said you filmed your brother. So was this like a hobby? Was this a like a profession, a career? Like no how did we how did we get here? Yeah. No, just we would go to his races and my stepdad would have the camera and I didn't like the way that he was doing it. So (laughs) (laughs) let let me do it. Yeah. And then and then the the scolding stopped. He was like, oh okay yeah yeah you can do this so (laughs) but no nothing professional like literally just like a home video camera of me like going twirling in circles around the velodrome catching him um sprint okay and then you went to college Mm -hmm. what did you study I studied graphic design at CCS in Detroit what does CCS stand for oh right CCS stands for college for creative studies Okay. And then after you graduated, you left Detroit? Yes. I came back to Florida and then I ended up in Portland um, during Design Week Portland. I visited and got a job and moved out there and I didn't know anybody. And I was lonely for a while until I met like a bunch of like black artist people. Okay. Yeah. Um, still not biking, took, took the train a lot and busing Mm -hmm. and stuff. Um, and I met, I met someone who was living with Allie at the time. And he was Allie. Ooh, Allie Nicholas is a cinematographer, director, producer, filmmaker. Um, she lives in Portland now with her cute baby and man and, um, (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) I heard it now Um, (laughs) um, she was filming a project about uh, women seafarers and she needed a voiceover so he connected me with her for that and that was the first time we met and then um, when she saw the grant from Oregon Film. She reached out to me so that we could apply together. Or she asked me if I was interested. And I was literally, I was like, I don't know how far I'm going to be able to go, but I'm super down to try. Why did she ask you if you were interested in specifically bikes? Because it sounds like it could have been any sport. Why bikes? Because it sounds like she already had that idea. It was like, I want to make a bike film will you ride the bike in the film? Right. Is that, is that, am I imagining that correctly? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Why bike? I think uh, the, the way she describes it is like the power of the, 
of the appeal of the human powered adventure. So, um, I don't know. I, I'd never asked this. I never even considered this question. I was just like, okay, yes. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I am mad at it. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, you can tell like she loves mountain biking. So I'm sure that was also part of it. And um, she wasn't pregnant when she approached me, but she was pregnant when we were filming. And so seeing a pregnant woman mountain bike in front of you is pretty awesome. Like the, the surfing on the trails, it was this at a time when I was still very much struggling with technique. It uh-huh. was, like, it was pretty cool. Okay. So tell me more about this project and this film and then not having really ridden a bike since sort of putzing around on the track and like riding as an eight-year-old like how did we what was that experience like did you have to relearn like where was your confidence and you weren't just like going straight into putzing around again you were like mountain biking through like on a on single track right like yes yes and I will say I literally had no idea what I was signing up for um which I kind of knew so I tried I just tried to like just be open and like try you know um I had to for I just had to like get in the gym until we were able to get a bike for me to practice on in real life I didn't feel I didn't feel like insecure about riding the bike like on a base level right Mm -hmm. um I did have a lot of like technique things to learn like um you know, when it comes to shifting and like, um, there's so much advice that I got after that <laughs> would have been so helpful. But I think, you know, when people just know how to do something, it's really hard to teach or even remember what it was like when you didn't know how to give, um, to give that kind of like intro, I guess. Um, who was who was teaching you? Was it mostly Allie or did you have other resources and people that were kind of helping out? Like what um, was that? Um, a lot of it was like learning on the fly, like me and Day, Day, who was also in the film with me. Um we did a practice ride through Silver Silver Springs, um, Silver Silver Falls in Oregon. And we both fell so many times, but it just, it kind of like gets you, you, I don't know, you learn about where to put your weight and stuff like that. Um, Definitely. I learned from Brooklyn Bell while we were on the trip and afterward, my friend Grichelle, uh, we did a ride, um, Sandy, Sandy Ridge in Sandy, Oregon. And I learned so much from her on that ride. Like she was just, just, I think because we were, we were already friends um, in Portland. And so she felt very comfortable just being like, and do this and do this and do this. Um, Like one of the best things that I, that taught me was like, oh, it should be more your hips than your, than your arms when you're steering. And that was a game changer in how I moved on the bike. There was, um, this dude, Kyle Sparks, who he, when I would, I would have trouble climbing and he was just like, oh, you have to like put more of your body over the handlebars. So I'm like, oh, okay. This is like, I don't know, a little stuff like that. That's super helpful. Yeah. Okay. Um, you mentioned your friend. 
Mm-hmm. Did you rope her into that or was like, that always a part of the plan? Nope. I was like, I need her. And <laughs> <laughs> she was she was super down and that was days really awesome. Like when my mom came up for Thanksgiving, um, we we ate at her house with her family. Like they've always been very uh, open and welcome to me. So um, she's a safe space in human form. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, as well as we, uh, I was able to get a hybrid bike. So once I started commuting with that uh, before pedal through, that uh, brought me a lot of confidence in the bike. I used to, I used to ride to places where I have friends who drive and they're like, I won't go over there. You know, like it's just too far for for Portland, which mm-hmm. is really a very narrow area. Um, it's not super big, no. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, like, even sometimes I would ride home from the bar where I I was working, I was bartending, and it's, like, when the road is clear at night, it's just, like, it feels great. It feels great. So, for clarification, Pedal Through is the name of the film, right? Yes. And so, before you had to, before you guys filmed the film, okay, how much time (laughs) was between the ask and the filming? Mm. Uh, hmm, hmm. Not, not quite enough. (laughs) Um, we did, we were able to push it back, um, because it took a while to get the bikes to me and Andy. So it was just like, this is not, it's not really practical. Um, and so that gave us, uh, more time to train and prepare. More time, like you had weeks, you had a month, you had months. Like, what did you have? How much time? I think we got like a month and a half extra from at like well okay so when you say time I mean so (laughs) Allie's like I'm doing this film and you're like yes Mm -hmm. how much time between that day Uh and then the day that you actually got access to a bike at all and then um the time from that day to the day you started filming okay I'm gonna I'm going to remember as best as I can. Cause I know. Okay. So we got, I'll say we got the grant. It was like end of December, I believe. Okay. And then I got the, I got a bike sometime. I want to say June, May, no. June. And then we rode in August. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so you had tons of time to think about it, but like actually writing <laughs> What's that June, yeah. July? That's like two and a half months. That's yeah. not a lot of time. It wasn't. And the film is absolutely beautiful, but that was, I mean, by beginner standards, I wouldn't say that was a beginner's route. It wasn't. I remember my, I told Molly we were going, she was like, oh, that's ambitious. Like, <laughs> no, I would agree. That was a very ambitious, you did it. I mean, that was, that's, you did it. I mean, that's super impressive. Yeah. The fact that, you said yes, first of all, not knowing what you were getting into, and then still doing it after you realized what you'd gotten into. Like some people were like, oh no, not this. Yeah. <laughs> and I will say, I will say we didn't complete the entire Three Sisters, Three Rivers route. But to me, like as time got closer, like I felt like, duh, like, I don't know. I thought it was, it was always to me about how far can I go? Right. Um, so yeah, it was cool. 
It was cool. I wanted to make it to Umqua. They've got these nice hot springs down there. Okay. Did we make it there? No. But Aww. there's time. But... I'm still there. <laughs> they're still there they're, okay we, we can still make it there you know so much more now you yeah. got more skills more confidence yeah yeah and I, you, you know two and a half <laughs> months was not a lot of time it, it, okay yeah. so you made this film um with ali and your friend and brooklyn bell it was the three of you writing right and then mm-hmm. okay um but you kept writing. Like the point was to do the writing for the film. Why are you still? Why are you still going? And what has um, that turned into? Like, what has the journey been like since then? And what year was that? Oh boy. Okay, so that I think it was 2019 that we wrote. Okay. Um, and you know, since then, I don't. I I love the way it makes my body feel, and. Also, just, like, all the people that I've met in the community, like, I had no idea that there was, there was this. And so I'm so grateful for the opportunity to be able to do the film because of all the people who have reached out to me or I've been able to connect with since then. You know, it's it's very different from, like, I feel like in Portland, like, oh, you do a model, you model for a brand and then that's it. You're not, like, really trying to get into who that company is and why they're doing what they're doing or like whatever it's just like a job and so coming out of pedal through and just like raising the standard for how how seeing how other people interact with brands and like kind of demand more than like representation it's like actually like sharing power and like being able to be an advocate and like um if you want me to do these, this thing, like also allow me to have the resources to do this other thing that I want to do so we can be like on the same page about what we're trying to get done. Um, so, and, I, I, and you're saying that as a commentary on what specifically? like On the way that... Um, the way that brands utilize I guess um influencers or ambassadors mm-hmm. you know it's um I feel like before before I got into bikes like I it was it always felt from my perspective looking on Instagram or wherever it was like a very shallow transaction it's like oh mm-hmm. you sent me this look I love it it's so cute bye like <laughs> if it wasn't until I saw the way that people were using their power to advocate for their communities and really try to make this world that's like not exactly accessible, um, accessible to their peers. Right. And um, that I, I thought that was really inspiring and empowering. And like, it, it changed the way, like, like when I moved to Portland, like I wanted to work for Adidas and like do the cool ads and like, um, cool sneakers and meet Pharrell or like, you know what I mean? Like it was very, <laughs> did you do any of that? I mean, I got, I got to, I got to meet some people, not Pharrell specifically. And I got to do work for Adidas. Um, that you was did work cool. for Adidas? Well, I worked, I did on, um, I did a like sneaker design reality show. Uh-huh. That was Adidas. Okay. It was cool. And there, so there's, I guess I, there is a similarity there in the way that the person who runs that 
sneaker academy academy Dwayne Edwards you know his his whole philosophy is to get more black black people on the design side of sneakers not mm-hmm. like consumers you know right um, so that is like that's part of the schooling but I feel like once you get into the company they're not really it's it, it's more difficult to get them to be as inclusive in their activations like without it being an activation about inclusivity right right and so like that part like I, I had worked at a agency for a while and like there it was always just like let's throw a party and but it, I don't know it was never I felt I felt like I my ideas were too like social activation for the sales that they're trying to make. Right. Right. But you find that, that the bike industry is more suited to that style of. Well, before I got into the industry part of it, I was pretty much only following people who were doing that on their personal platforms. Okay. And, so I thought that was inspiring, but they like, you know, these are still people who do have sponsors. And so there is definitely opportunity for me. I was like, Oh, there's opportunity to be able to like meld these worlds in a way where it's not like a bike film. That's a commercial or like, um, like just pure sales. Like there, depending on who a brand is talking to, like you can be able to promote the values that you claim you hold, mm-hmm. like by supporting the people who are doing the work. Um, mm-hmm. So I will, I will say definitely, I do feel that now, like, you know, working for Velocio and like the ambassadors that we have, like, um, being in the position I am now, right? Like, which is, which is visual brand manager. Okay. Um, like I've, I've been there, um, like a year and a half. So I'll say like the first year was a lot of learning, you know, a lot of soaking it up. Like this is the resources we have. This is what we can do. This is, you know, um, this is what we're about. And so now I feel like I'm in a point where I can, I can use more of my, oh my gosh, how to, I can, I can lend an artistic lens to supporting our ambassadors in their pursuits, okay. right? So, and I, I feel like that scratches all the itches that I was talking about before. Like it has come together. Um, so I hope to like continue to do more of that work like this past weekend, being able to film Devin and showcase how um, everything she's been talking about trying to do last year is now coming to fruition this year. Who and, is Devin and what is she trying to do? Okay, so Devin, Devin Rocks. Um, Rocks is officially her last name, I'm sure. Um, uh-huh. mm-hmm. For sure. <laughs> yeah. Devin Cowens, um, she runs Rari TL. And she was one of the people who really inspired me. Like, after Pedal Through, like, she was just always very friendly to me and is, I feel like, the embodiment of Be About It, right? 
she she doesn't even have to talk about it because she's always being about it. Like she is for community. She's always sharing resources and connecting people who might be able to help each other. Um, and really like to me, like a model for what, what can you do with your power? Mm -hmm. And so to be able to like uplift her with the support of the brand and also like give what I consider and hope comes across as like a very authentic portrayal of her, I think it, it just feels really good because like, cause even when like you're, tr- they want to do, they, as in like brands in general, you know, like if you want to have representation or showcase someone, like who you have behind the camera is just as important as who you're sure showing. Is. Yeah. Because like that, the, you get snaps, you get snaps. <laughs> say, it, say it again for the people in the back. <laughs> Yeah, like having having um, community involved in more steps of the process is it makes a huge difference. Like and like even um, when we were filming, I'm interviewing her and thankfully Sam showed up just at the right time. And it was like the switch from like talking to her and like kind of the, you know, the formal voice that comes out when you're doing brand stuff. But having Sam Scipio there asking her questions it came out it was a, it was more relaxed mm-hmm. it's more like you know not everybody is like regular on camera or, or i mean not everybody's comfortable on camera so it can feel weird <laughs> regular <laughs> no nah, no we're leaving it in i don't think anyone's ed- i don't think anybody's regular ever but it's a funny it's a funny thought yeah cool cool yeah but not everybody's comfortable on camera for sure yeah, so creating an environment where she pretty much didn't have to worry about the camera and it's just talking to a friend about what she's been doing and what she hopes to achieve. Like, I feel like that voice is going to come through For really sure. strongly. And that's really important because if you're trying to, if you're trying to like represent someone, you want to show them in their best self. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel like love kind of helps with that. And I love Devin. So it's gonna I'm also very much team Devin. So yeah. it's kinda hard not to be. Cool. Yeah. Um changed my life. Yeah, no. I think it's just interesting. Um, and I I hadn't thought too much about it before, you know, talking to you about this, but like mm-hmm. the last person that we spoke with for the podcast. Um, Judith also sort of entered around pandemic time like you got mm-hmm. in kind of just before it but like mm-hmm. you doing the film in 2019 but like actually getting more into the industry in 2020 like mm-hmm. is a wildly different experience than a lot of our previous interviewees which I don't think I really interviewed anybody since 2019 right mm-hmm. so like the experiences that you guys are having and like hearing you feel like the bike industry is more like <laughs> like a better place to like have authentic experiences it's it's like awesome right like that's what we were trying to achieve and to hear you say that means that like so much good work has been done that you can come into this space and feel like you can find your place and Mm -hmm. like you know put your own stank on it and like help supplement the work that's already being done absolutely Um, 
and not just in front of the lens, but behind the lens, behind the computer, behind the like behind the scenes completely mm-hmm. on the the decision making team. Like that's what we wanted, right? It's not just tokenism. It's not just right. being in the room. It's actually having power. And that like <laughs> I, love, I love it. Like it's a it's a dream come true. I I love watching all of all of us thrive in yeah. this way and be able to also have each other to be like, oh, opportunity. How about Cleo? How about Devin? Like, oh, Devin could use that. Cleo could use that. Like, not Mm -hmm. just a give, um, not just a take, but a give, you know, like, it's been, it's been great to see. Oh, I love it. Okay. (laughs) And what were you going to say? No, I was just gonna say, like, I feel extremely lucky to come in at the time that I did, because, like, you all were already doing so much work. And so there was a wealth of information for me to absorb and understand and like gain perspective on, on different experiences. And I remember feeling like, damn, I'm not doing shit for like, not, I'm not doing shit for representation, but it felt like everyone else was like, was doing so much more work at the time. And I, it just made me look at myself like, what, um, what can I contribute And I feel like being able to do now, like being able to like at least uplift um, our own ambassadors and and get them involved in their own storytelling. Like, yeah, I'm doing a thing now too. (laughs) Okay, so then let me ask you this. Did you feel like you needed to be doing a thing in order to feel validated? Like- like, did you not feel like you could just be a black person and exist in this space without adding to like? Um, you know in the saying? beginning, uh, yeah, yeah. I would say prior to the release of the film, I did like you know. For me, it was like, oh, like Day has natural hair. Like that's really important to me that um, we have like three black women writing, and you know. I don't know at the time, like that was like, this is great. And I still feel that. But I think that when the film came out, the environment was so charged that it was very much like. When did I, the film come out? Um, summer 2020. Summer so, pre George Floyd murder or post George Floyd murder? Post, I'm pretty sure it was post, post okay. George Floyd murder. Okay. So it was it's like this like weird time of like we're grieving but also like celebrating black joy but also it's like I felt very very anxious about who was reaching out to me because it's like I'm I don't want because there was a lot of history I didn't know right? I felt like I had to be cautious because I'm like, I don't want you to like pimp me out to be your like, I'm not racist. Look, you, you know? being like companies and yeah. Like, who, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, or like brands or like, um, like talks that I was asked to do. Like I felt very, I was like, what, how can I talk? I just got here and I don't know. Like people would ask me like, what can we do to like increase uh representation and I'm just kind of like well I got here because there was a grant specifically for black or brown people trying to get here you know Mm -hmm. so 
try that. <laughs> like, I don't, you know what I mean? And, but then I also got to the point where I felt, I just felt very un, too uninformed to be speaking. So I just fell back and tried to learn as much as I could and work. And now, yeah, so that's where, that's where I am now. Like, I feel like I've absorbed things and I've worked to like, where I feel like I can say an opinion. And if, if, if it's like not, it doesn't have to be perfect, but I feel more informed. Whereas before I was just kind of like, I felt like I was just reacting and it didn't, it doesn't feel like a good place to be. Well, if it's any consolation, I don't think it was just you in that. Yeah. In that space. I think anybody who wasn't white was getting kind of like constantly communicated with and like ask for things. Mm -hmm. Um, And the requirement was just that you weren't a white person. Like, qualifications were not a thing experience was not a thing they were just like we need diversity and we need it now you look diverse come and help <laughs> come and help us yeah. <laughs> and um, then it's like you know balancing like okay yeah we do want opportunities but I don't like am I the right person for this opportunity or is there someone more suited that like maybe I can recommend or something you know what I mean like I it's it's like that weird that just, I guess, just like the balance, right? Yeah, for sure. Like, we want it for the right reasons. So I have to and know. I, th- I think having that like ability to, to self-assess is not something that we all have, right? Like mm-hmm. some, some folks are like, man, am I the right person for this opportunity? And some folks are like, oh, well, I'm just going to do it because they're asking. <laughs> um, yeah. And I, I feel like a healthy combination of both is nice within a person. Like sometimes you got to try at first where you're like, yeah, I'm just going to do it. And be like, oh, I was not the right person for this. Maybe right. <laughs> next time I will recommend someone else for something similar. Or yeah. it could be a, I was not the right person for this, but now I know more and now I can do it. Exactly. Um, but yeah. yeah, no, that's, I think everybody was kind of in this like very interesting spot. Um, whereas mm-hmm. I was kind of like, shimmying away where it's like I don't want to do nothing like don't talk to me I'm not trying to be spoken to right now I'm just mad (laughs) Um, so it was good to have a a refreshing of people to kind of take Mm -hmm. on things and 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 fill that place cool um so as far as like your personal journey with bikes outside of being an industry person and helping other Mm -hmm. people and doing all these films and like what is what is what is your life now in conjunction with bikes? Are you still just mountain biking? Have you like dived into other forms? Have you decided to be competitive anyway? Like what does that look like? Um, so I did buy a track bike during the pandemic. <laughs> so we we came back. We went around the velodrome. Okay. To <laughs> um. So I go there. Miami is just, it's really hard to ride on the road. Like, I think we are number one in traffic fatalities. Um, and it's it's just fucked. So um, there there is a group here called Breaking the Cycle that does group rides. So I'll ride here being my Miami. Hat- yeah, here being okay. Miami. Um, and so I'll ride with them. And it's really fun because it is like, uh, primarily black and um, I was able to use some of them actually for a shoot um, sorry not industry um, but it's cool like the the leaders are very opening and they actually have a ride every single day 
I don't go every day. That's a lot. But um, it's nice to feel the protection of the group when they do have rides. And here we do, we have mountain bike parks. So it's not, it's, we're not going to be doing crazy climbing. It's not, you know, places that have like wilder nature, but it's still cool. Like there's, the features are man-made. They, um, there's, my favorite park here is Virginia Key, uh, Virginia, Virginia Key mountain bike park. And there's a point where you can see the, you can see the Miami skyline from the island. And I always love that view. It's really sick. And since it's by the water, it's not crazy hot like it is in Miami all the time. And I'll say this past weekend, I rode my first gravel bike and I really liked that. I liked it a lot. It was way, way more comfortable riding position, first of all. Like, as opposed to? As opposed to flat bars. Like, why are we suffering? Hmm. Okay. That's interesting. I've never heard anybody prefer drop bars. Is that what was on the bike you were mm-hmm. over flat bars? I mean, I'm more com- comfortable and confident mm-hmm. on drop bar just because now that I'm, like, competing and, like, racing and all of that. Mm-hmm. But I feel like there's... There's something to be said about a flat bar. I prefer like a like a bullhorn, sort of like a cruiser style. Oh, okay. That's okay. my jam. Like if we're talking comfort, yeah. <laughs> if you have the opportunity, ride like a cruiser, get a, like a Dutch cruiser, and it's like a couch. In my opinion, oh, okay. I think yeah. it's fantastic. You're not gonna go nowhere, no fat, like very fast, but <laughs> you will be riding in in comfort. Okay. Nice. <laughs> Um, something. Oh, sorry, go. No, 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 go ahead. I was just going to say something I like to do here too is um, I'll ride the boardwalk on the full moon. So um, where I pull up is like 71st Street. I have to drive there, which sucks, but it's still cool. Um, I'll go there down to South Beach. My friend has a bar. I have a beer and then come back up to my car. So it's like a 15 mile ride, but it's nice to do if you sync it up right because the moon is rising right over the ocean. I like I like that stuff. I like the star stuff. That sounds beautiful. <laughs> all right, I think I think we've covered all our bases. That I mean, I feel like you're still kind of at the beginning of your journey, but yeah, you've done a whole lot in a small amount of time, like in a very short amount of time. But I guess when you go from getting back on a bike as an adult to filming <laughs> in two and a half months, that's kind of how that goes, right? Um, All right. So before I let you go, I will ask you the same question I ask everybody. If you could give advice to someone that identifies the same way you identify, if they see themselves in you, whatever Mm -hmm. that means or looks like, people can self-decide that. What Mm -hmm. advice would you give them? Um, Don't be afraid to fail. You know, if if you have the opportunity to to do something that seems out of your comfort zone, like dive in and see what can come out of it. Because even if it doesn't turn out the way you expect, like any of the many diverging paths can still be valuable. There you go. Perfect. Love it. All right. Thanks so much. (laughs) Thank you. Bicycle, 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 bicycle. 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Quick Brown Foxes. For more information on Annalise Cleopatra, you can find her on Instagram at C-L-E-E-E-O-P-A-T-R-A. For more information on me, Aisha McGowan, you can find me on Instagram at I suppose, A-Y-E-S-U-P-P-O-S-E, also on Twitter and Facebook, or at my website, www.aquickbrownfox.com. Thank you, as always, to my partners, Live Cycling, SRAM, Bike Flights, Spot, Carmichael Training Systems, and Diaspora Kitchen. And I would never forget my ever-so-gracious patrons. If you would like to become one, you can do so at patreon.com slash aquickbrownfox and join the likes of Meg Descombs, Puma43, Liz Petit, Tonsa Price Edwards, Irene Sean Mullen, Adriel Harris, Paige Chase, Meredith Nielsen, Patch Hyland, Spencer Madison, Michael Burns, Carrie Lloyd, Kat Sweet, Robert Roll, Christiana E., Patrick Smith, Lauren Zimmer, Lauren Thomas, Kelsey Cohan, Allison McArthur, Erin Ayala, Anna DeMont, or DeMonte, Andrew Lale, Exter, I'm sorry, Esther Lexchin, David, Stay Kind, Mark Hunter, Nicholas Fortin, Ralph Perry, Spindrift Podcast, Brad Evans, Barbara Burlington, Ashley Von Edge, Vladimir Vince, Tariq Saleh, Stephanie Becker, Rachel Jacobson, Derek Pearson, Jesse Orman, Stephen Landis, Megan C. McGrinty, and Alex Breedy, or Breed, Jonathan Biddle, Carolyn Romaine, Rad Bike Adventure, Troy Casper, Rachel Olzer, Sandra Walter, Jonathan Matz, Sarah Bowman, Tina Hart, Matt Carrick, Leslie K. Meyer, Amy K., Ken McLeod, Ursula, Marnie Anise, Kelsey D., Tom Probert, Beatrice Apple, Andrea Roiloffs, Erica, Margaret Smitty, Jonah Davis, Ann Galian, or Galleon, Kelly Shepard, Frank Spinello, Margaret Wallace, Jay Thomas, LC, Lucia D, Crystal J, Lewis Hodge, Benel Tompkins, Rosie Jacobson, Brian Jascott, Kat C, Christina, Lillian Cool, Ronald Hilgarth, Leanne Evanson, Michelle Smith, Sarah Williams, Jess Strangward, Karen Brooks, Amy Ongiri, Haley Nilsson, Ella Green, Elizabeth Reincourt, Flora, Reneem Lampel, and Anna Schwinn. Thank you all so much. See you next time.